Do you know that it's possible to do the right thing, but with the wrong motive? For example, and this is quite an extreme example, but imagine a man walking along beside a fast-flowing river, and he sees someone in the water drowning, but he does absolutely nothing. He just keeps walking as if nothing has happened. And the person in the water just gets washed away downstream. A week later, same man walking along beside the same river. And by some remarkable coincidence, there is another person in the water drowning. But this time, there happens to be a film crew nearby. So the man uh, raises the alarm, takes off his jacket, dives into the water, reaches the person who's drowning, uh, gets them to the bank, and pulls them out of the river to safety. He has saved their life. The whole thing has been captured by this film crew. And the man is hailed as a national hero. Except he's not a hero. He simply managed to portray an image of himself that is at odds with who he really is. And that is the definition of hypocrisy. He's done the right thing, but with the wrong motive. And the Pharisees of Jesus' day were experts at doing just that. On the outside, the Pharisees were deeply religious, pillars of the community. They gave generously, they prayed fervently, they fasted regularly, but it was all a big show. Their, their, Their motivation came from a desire to be well thought of, respected, highly esteemed, honored, revered. And Jesus warns his disciples, Jesus warns us against such behavior. He says, do not be like the hypocrites. The word hypocrite comes from a Greek word that literally means an actor in a mask. As you know, in ancient Greece, the uh, theater was a very popular pastime, and the actors would wear masks. Uh, And so you, you didn't know who the actor was. All you could see was the mask. And that's hypocrisy, the wearing of a mask to conceal who we really are. And the Pharisees, in their hypocrisy, were were striving for the wrong reward. They were striving for the praises of other human beings. It was all about power and prestige and image. They were doing the right things, but with the wrong motives. Now, Jesus is, of course, advocating giving to the poor, prayer, And fasting. In fact, he's assuming that these are things that his followers will do. In each case, Jesus says, when, not if. When you give to the poor, when you pray, when you fast, not if you do these things, but when you do them. Jesus is assuming that we will do them. But it's not enough to be generous, to pray, to fast. We need to do these things for the right reasons, because to do them for the wrong reasons, for example, with a reward in mind, is hypocrisy. So we're going to look at each of these practices in turn, uh, giving, prayer, fasting. We'll see how the Pharisees did them. We'll look at some of the pitfalls for us, and we'll look at why we actually do these things, or why we should do these things. So firstly, giving. Uh, Generous giving, and especially giving to the poor, is an essential spiritual discipline. And the Pharisees, they took giving, they took tithing really seriously. They even gave or tithed from their spices. 
They gave a tenth of them, their mint, their dill, their cumin. You know that someone is taking tithing seriously if they're even tithing from their spice rack. Uh, But they made such a show of it. We don't know that they literally had trumpeters marching before them, blowing a a fanfare as they uh, gave their offering in the synagogue. Jesus, Jesus often used very vivid and quite amusing illustrations to make his point. In in fact, the humor in the Gospels, uh, Jesus' humor, is often lost in us because we're reading an English translation 2,000 years later with a very different cultural perspective. But Jesus was often really funny in the way that he said things. I think it's wonderful to think of God making jokes, being funny, being human. But of course, there's a very serious point that he was making as well. And the point is that the Pharisees were making sure that everybody knew that they were giving, because the reason they gave was to present themselves as generous and pious benefactors who everybody would respect. That was their motivation. But in reality, their hearts were stingy, because they cared nothing for the poor for whom the money was being collected. And when it comes to our giving, our generosity, there's a myriad of wrong motives that can creep in. Do you know, it wasn't long ago in historical terms, that families who gave generously to a church would have a plaque mounted on the wall. I mean, what's that about? What, just to say, well, we're a wealthy family and we've given generously? That's wrong. In in England, wealthy families used to be able to buy a pew that only they could use. And the more money they gave to the church, the closer to the front of the church that pew would be. There's no excuse for that kind of showiness. We wouldn't have that problem here because generally no one wants to sit in the front row. But, <laughs> but we might still uh, give because we want to be seen to be generous. Has anyone ever asked you to donate on their fundraising page, Just Giving or something like that? And it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you want the person to know that you've supported them. Uh, you, you, know, you, you want them to know that you're behind them and the cause that they're raising money for. But actually, according to Jesus, we should actually be checking the box marked anonymous. Another pitfall is when our giving becomes a kind of moral abdication. I've given money. It's no longer my problem. I've done my bit. But people need more than just our money. They need our time and our care and our love. Our giving should not be a substitute for our doing. So then there's the prosperity gospel. And this is where Christians are told that if they give generously, they will receive back in economic terms, in financial terms, more than they gave. And the prosperity gospel is prolific, even here in Australia. What it amounts to is that giving is good business. You know, someone who is sucked in by this false gospel gives in order to receive back. And then if that's why we're giving, it's nothing more than a business transaction. And all of these motives, to be seen, moral abdication, a desire for prosperity, they all amount to hypocrisy because they are a denial of the kind of generous giving that Jesus calls us to. And people who give for these reasons are seeking the wrong reward. Those who give to be seen are seeking the reward of other people's esteem and admiration. Uh, Those who give as a kind of moral abdication are seeking the reward of a lighter conscience. 
Uh, those who give in order to receive back more than they gave are giving for financial reward. So how does Jesus teach us to give and what's the reward? Uh, not that we give to get a reward, but there is one. Jesus says so. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, Jesus says that when you give, you shouldn't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, our giving should be so discreet that it's hidden even from ourselves. How is that possible, you might ask? I can't hide what I'm doing from myself. Well, I think I've mentioned this before, that when we give generously, there is, to start with, what I sometimes call the ouch factor. There's a part of us that thinks about what else we could be doing with this money, especially if we calculate how much we're giving over the course of the whole year. Uh, We count the cost and it hurts, the ouch factor. But over time, generosity becomes more natural for us. Giving just becomes a normal part of life. We stop counting the cost. The ouch factor is removed from the equation. We hardly notice that we're giving. Now, sometimes we can give, we, uh, and we're, we're very careful to make sure that nobody else knows that we're giving. But then we still congratulate ourselves. We can actually feel quite smug about our giving. But let me ask a question. Who here feels smug when we tie our shoelaces or brush our teeth? Does anyone? Tissa? The only hand that went up there? <laughs> okay. Yes, sometimes we're so tired in the morning, you might feel smug that we've managed to get that far. But, um, (laughs) you know, who among us congratulates ourselves when we successfully drive to work? Of course we don't, because these things are such a natural part of life, everyday life, that we hardly notice that we're doing them. And that's how it should be with our giving. That's what Jesus means when he says our left hand shouldn't know what our right hand is doing. We, we don't make a big deal of giving. We don't make it a big deal uh, in front of other people. But also, we don't make a big deal of it in our own minds. It's just a perfectly normal thing for Christians to be doing. So what's a reward? Jesus mentioned that reward, didn't he? Well, it's very simple. It's seeing the poor clothed, fed, housed. Uh, Taking a a recent example from St. Andrews, it's knowing that those children in foster care had a wonderful Christmas party and they're able to spend time with their natural family over Christmas, which they wouldn't have been able to do. It's seeing the church grow. It's seeing people's lives changed and transformed by Jesus. That's the reward. To, to, to see God's kingdom growing and expanding around us. What could be more wonderful than that? So next we come to prayer. And again, the, the Pharisees prayed to be seen. Jesus said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand uh, praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Now, there's nothing wrong with standing to pray. Do you know that most first century Jews would have prayed in that way? They would have prayed stood up with their eyes open and their arms outstretched towards heaven. That's how uh, first century Jews prayed. That's how early Christians prayed. There's nothing wrong with praying on street corners. But there is something wrong with praying in the hope that people will see us and think, oh, aren't they 
holy? Aren't they pious? Aren't they good? Look at how much they pray. I could never be like that person. Because that's what the Pharisees wanted people to think. But the truth is, if there wasn't anyone there to watch them, they probably wouldn't have been praying. Uh, John Stott wrote this. He said, what Jesus says of the hypocrites sounds fine at first. They love to pray. Sounds okay, doesn't it? But unfortunately, it's not the prayer which they love, nor the God they are supposed to be praying to. No, they love themselves and the opportunity which public praying gives them to parade themselves. Now, I'm going to hazard a guess. I suspect that most of us are not tempted to stand on street corners praying in order that everyone will see us. (laughs) Nevertheless, we can pray with the wrong motives and with the wrong reward in mind. Prayer is firstly and foremostly about intimacy with God. It's about relationship. It's not about going to God with a list of things that we want God to do for us, things that we want God to help us with. We don't, we don't go to God and say, I want you to do this, 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 and this. Thank you, amen. You know, when Tissa and I have a date night, Tissa doesn't come to me with a list of things she wants me to do around the home, and I don't do that to Tissa. The idea is that we spend time together, and so it should be with prayer. It's not that we can't ask God to do things for us. We can, and we should, but that's not the main purpose of prayer. Uh, the, the, the purpose of prayer is relationship, and we should rely, uh, uh, sorry, we should uh, desire that relationship with God for its own sake, not because of what we hope to gain from it. I was once talking with a Christian man about universalism. Uh, That's the belief that everybody uh, ultimately goes to heaven. And myself and this man agreed uh, that that's not what the Bible teaches, and it's certainly not what Jesus taught. Uh, But at one point, the man said something which I found quite disturbing. He said, well, if everyone goes to heaven then we might as well all just go around doing whatever we want. But that implies that the only reason that we have a relationship with God, the only reason that we obey God, is to avoid going to hell. Well, that's not a relationship. That's an insurance policy. When when we pray, we don't pray to be seen. We don't pray to be rewarded with the stuff that God can do for us. We don't pray to secure our place in heaven. We pray... Because we want an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And it's Jesus that's made that relationship possible. And so our hearts are filled with love and gratitude for Jesus. And, and when we give our life to Christ, of course, he fills us with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to change and to think differently and to live differently. And it makes us want to be obedient to God. Now, just one more thing on prayer, because this verse can be taken out of context. Jesus is not saying that all prayer should be a strictly private affair. You know, um, personal time alone with God is vitally important for our spiritual health. But so is corporate prayer, praying with other people. And oftentimes that prayer can be passionate, fervent and animated. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless, of course, we're praying extravagantly in order that people look at us, in order to draw attention to ourselves. But 
Just because someone is animated and impassioned when they pray doesn't mean that they're showing off. It doesn't mean that they're trying to draw attention to themselves. The good news is we don't really have to think about that because uh, the only thing that we have to assess is our motives. This is not a lesson in how to detect a fraud. Uh, The only deception, the only hypocrisy that we're trying to detect is our own. And so we can give everyone else the benefit of the doubt. Finally, fasting. I think this is probably the most difficult of the three for us to get our heads around. Often, uh, Christians will give and pray, but fasting, mm, not quite so much. We'll talk about the reasons for fasting in a moment, but first let's look at how the Pharisees did it. Jesus said, when you fast, remember, not if you fast, when you fast, Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Again, this is quite a comical image. These uh, miserable-looking Pharisees trying to make sure that no one can miss the fact that they're fasting, contorting their faces. They may even have neglected their personal hygiene. You know, they wouldn't comb their hair or their beards. Uh, They might have put on sackcloth. They may even have put ash on their faces, uh, the equivalent of makeup to to um, to make themselves look pale and somber and miserable. It really is quite pathetic. Uh, and their motivation, the same as before. They just wanted people to notice how holy they are. Now, fasting, um, fasting is such a rarity for Christians in the Western world that when uh, we do fast, we can't help telling everybody about it, especially during Lent. Has anyone ever said to you, oh, what are you giving up during Lent? which kind of invites the response, well, I'm giving up such and such. What are you giving up? But having a discussion about fasting, and you probably know I don't consider giving up chocolate or red meat or coffee, or I don't consider that to be fasting in the biblical sense. Uh, But having a discussion about fasting defeats the object. Uh, the, the, The idea is not to draw attention to ourselves. However, that doesn't mean that we can't ever tell anyone that we're fasting. It could be that a group of people have come together and decided to fast and pray together. Well, of course, they can't hide that from one another. Uh, So we're not making hard and fast rules. We're just talking about a general principle of not doing things to be seen. Uh, whether Whether that's our giving or our prayer or our fasting, or acts of kindness, or giving money to someone who's a bit short, or uh, ministering to someone, or whatever it is. We don't do those things to be seen. So what's the point in fasting? Uh, Well, throughout Scripture, we see a close link between fasting and penitence. So in other words, it's a way of expressing sorrow for our sin, uh, and the the sin and brokenness of the world. Uh, But fasting is also a way of humbling ourselves before God and acknowledging our dependence on him. As such, prayer and fasting always go together. Uh, Fasting, though, is not an attempt to twist God's arm. It's simply a way of heightening our sense of dependence on God. And generally, when we're fasting for the right reasons, we really do mean business. And God sees the sincerity of our hearts. That doesn't mean that we've got to fast in order for God to see that we're sincere. It's the other way around. When we fast for the right reasons, we are sincere. And God sees that. 
Another reason to fast is that it helps us to be self-controlled. We can't claim to be self-controlled if we can't control what's going into our bodies. The other week, uh, we heard how the Apostle Paul compared Christians to athletes training for the games. He said, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. So as we become more disciplined in the physical sense, fasting, the idea is that we become more disciplined in the spiritual sense, prayer. The two always go together. Uh, Of course, there are medical conditions that might prohibit someone from fasting. And if someone's struggling with an eating disorder, then they certainly shouldn't be fasting. But generally, generally speaking, fasting is a spiritual discipline that Christians should engage with. So why not try fasting for 24 hours once a month? That would be a good place to start. Um, But remember, fasting without prayer is pretty pointless. So if you're not yet at the point where you're praying regularly, where you've got a consistent pattern of prayer, then I'd suggest that that is maybe the first place to start. Uh, That said, you could always fast as a way of marking the beginning of uh, a more disciplined and structured prayer life. Uh, And as we've seen, it has its own rewards, not the kind of rewards that the Pharisees went after, or or indeed the kind of rewards that we often go after. But uh, there are rewards Our prayer and our fasting has a huge impact, not just in our own life, but in the lives of the people that we're praying for and in the world around us. So the Pharisees gave money to the poor, they prayed, they fasted, but they did those things for the wrong reasons. They just wanted the kudos that went with being super religious. Their piety was a facade, they were play-acting because they wanted to be rewarded with prestige and honor and a high standing within the community. Well, nowadays, I think it's highly unlikely that we're going to get any kudos for being super religious. Uh, But there are certain things, generosity included, that we might do because we want to go up in other people's estimation. And certainly when it comes to spiritual disciplines, we can engage with them for the wrong reasons, and we can do so with the wrong kind of rewards in mind. Jesus warns us against this. He basically says uh, that giving and personal prayer and fasting, these things are between us and God. We don't need to make a big hoo-ha about it, not, not just to other people, but even in our own minds. We, we need to be of the, you know, we need to recognize that these are just normal things that Christians do. These should be normal things for us. But hang on a minute. Just... The other week we looked at this. Didn't Jesus say, uh, he said this, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Didn't Jesus say that? We looked at it just the other week. Is there some kind of contradiction here? Well, no, there's no contradiction because Jesus is addressing different aspects of our sinful nature. When Jesus says, let your light shine before others, He's addressing our cowardice, our tendency to hide the fact that we're a Christian, our reluctance to tell others about our faith, to talk about Jesus, our double standards of maybe you know, being one person in one place in one environment and another person in another place in another environment. That's what Jesus is addressing when he says, let your light shine before others. We should be open about our faith. We should tell people about Jesus. But when he says, do these things in secret, he's addressing our vanity. Uh, 
Our tendency to, to feel puffed up and proud and to think, yeah, I'm doing really well, especially compared to everyone else. Uh, but, you know, whatever we do, whether it's openly or in secret, we do it for the glory of God, or we should do. Uh, so we don't need to put on a ski mask every time we give some change to a, poor, uh, to a homeless person or every time we do a good deed. Uh, But the truth is, if we are secretly engaging in spiritual disciplines, uh, generous giving, prayer, fasting, then the fruit of that will become evident in our lives. We will not be able to conceal it. But instead of claiming our good works for our own, we point to Jesus. We say, look, if you see any bad in me, that's me. If you see any good in me, that's Jesus. We point away from ourselves And we point to Jesus. And that's the opposite of what the Pharisees were doing. It's all about Jesus. Do not be like the hypocrites. How do we avoid being like the hypocrites? Well, in all things, we aim to give God the glory and not ourselves. As John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that almost everything that we do as fallen human beings is done with mixed motives. And we pray that we'll examine our motives. That if there is uh, any sense of doing things simply for, for the reward of being highly thought of, uh, because we want to go up in people's estimation, we want to seem to be, be generous and, uh, and all this. We pray, Father, that, that we'll, we'll see that and root it out. We pray that uh, our motivation will come from a desire to glorify you, to tell the story of your love, to see your kingdom come. We pray, Father, that we will, uh, we will not want to honor ourselves, but we will want to honor and glorify you. Help us with this as we go into our week, as we live our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.